pearls from the parables. Jesus, he used illustrations, he painted word pictures. He would do this in order to illustrate, in order to clarify his particular point or teaching. And so in this series, I'm trying to dig deep and find some pearls, find some gems from these parables. Today we're looking at the parable of the rich fool. As I began to read this and I began to think about this, Jesus was a storyteller. He told stories, no doubt, as I began to think, no doubt man would call him a success. In America today, for sure, he would be, he would be known as a success. He, he possibly would be named in who's who. No doubt he could write a book. He could speak at motivational seminars. And maybe they, he would even be named Man of the Year. But Jesus called him a fool. Why would Jesus call somebody a fool that man would call a success? Well, before we try to answer that question, let's talk first about why he was not called a fool. Let me suggest this morning, first of all, he was not a fool because of his prosperity. He was not a fool because of his prosperity. And he was prosperous. This man was rich. This man was wealthy. In fact, the Bible says that he was so rich that he didn't even have a building big enough to house all of his resources. He was going to have to tear down the warehouse that he had and build back a brand new, bigger warehouse just in order to house or store all of his goods. I can't speak for you this morning, but I don't have that problem. And what a nice problem to have. But Jesus didn't call him a fool because of his prosperity. The Bible says in Jeremiah 29 and 11, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Okay, Lord, what plans do you have for me? And he goes on to say, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And 3 John chapter 1 and verse 2 says, the writer says, I wish above all things that you might prosper. That you might what? I wish above all things, the Bible says, that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So God isn't against prosperity. Now you might say, well, pastor, are you one of those prosperity preachers? Well, let me just say this this morning. I, I don't believe that God gets any glory out of poverty. Do I believe God wants everybody to be rich? Do I believe that people who lack are outside of God's will and they don't have enough faith to be wealthy? No, absolutely not. But here's what I do believe this morning. I do believe that God is a good God. And I believe that as our Heavenly Father, He wants good things for His children. I'm a father. I have two kids. And I love to see my kids succeed. I love to see my kids blessed. And I love to help them along in their journey. I can't even imagine my heavenly father would do any less for me. 
In fact, Jesus said, if an earthly father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly father give good things to those who ask him? So Jesus did not call this man a fool because of his prosperity. God is not against prosperity. Nor did God call him a fool because of his plan. His plan was to tear down his old smaller warehouse and build back a new larger warehouse. Hey, hey, if he didn't, he would lose the abundance that he now had. It only makes common sense that, 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 that he would build something bigger than what he has because he has more stuff than he has room for it. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3 and 4. I love how the Living Bible renders it. It says, any enterprise is built by wise planning, and it becomes strong through common sense, and it profits wonderfully by keeping abreast of the facts. See, the Bible speaks much about wise planning. The reason why most people live paycheck to paycheck, the reason why most people, the average American will come to retirement age and not be able to retire, or they will come to retirement age and live as a pauper, they will come to retirement age, and even though they've worked 40, 50 years of their life, they have very little, if anything, to show for it. And the reason why most people do that and the reason why uh, they get, or when they get a, a windfall or an unexpected bonus or financial blessing, the problem is, 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 is they don't plan. They have no strategy. They have no financial plan, no financial strategy. And so when they get a windfall or when they get a bonus or when they get a raise or when they get some kind of unexpected financial blessing, instead of sitting down and planning the best way to use or invest this money, they immediately go out and squander the money and they have little or nothing to show for it. And so they cannot give and they cannot do and they cannot go because they don't have a financial plan in place. Jesus didn't call this man a fool because of his plan that God would call a fool. Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 5 says, The plans of man. Listen, friend, it's the man who fails to be diligent leads surely to plenty, but those of everyone who is hasty surely to poverty. Let me give you the Mike Benson revised version. The Mike Benson revised version of that verse says, those who plan and work their plan will prosper. Those who fly by the seat of their pants will not. And too many people today are flying by the seat of their pants. And they have no plan in place. We could criticize this man for the plan that he had. He was not called a fool because of his plan. God is in to planning. Jesus called this man a fool, but not because of his prosperity and not because of his plan and not because of his passion. In reading and rereading, and, and that's what I've been doing for the last few weeks is taking these parables and reading them and rereading them and reading them and rereading them. They're all familiar to us, or they should be, those of us that read our Bible. But I say, Lord, give me fresh eyes. Lord, give me fresh eyes. Lord, let me see something I've never seen before. God, help me, Lord. Help me to find a gem. Help me to find a pearl. Help me to find something that I've never seen before. 
And so, and so uh, in reading and rereading over and over this story, uh, it just seems to me that this man uh, had a sanguine slash a choleric type personality. Uh, he was aggressive, he was loud, he was boisterous. Uh, I will do this, he said. This is what I'm going to do. He was not indecisive. He knew precisely and exactly what he was going to do. And he was, he was aggressive and loud and boisterous and, and saying, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down those old barns and I'm going to build them back bigger. I, I'm going to get rid of those little suckers and I'm going to get me some bigger ones. And then we're going to let the party begin. We're going to eat. We're going to drink. We're going to be merry. We're going to have some fun. He seems to be a very passionate man. Someone that loved life. Someone that lived it to the full. He planned even to take it to the next level. He seemed to be bigger than life. And God doesn't seem to have anything against this. God doesn't seem to have a problem with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. Or do it with passion, we could say. I'm telling you that whatever you do in life, it is worth doing it with passion. And Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 18 and 19 says, It is good and it is fitting for one to eat and to drink and to enjoy the good of all of his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life which God gives him for it it is his heritage. Some of us will look at this and just look at the surface, look on the surface, and we'll criticize his plan, and, and we'll criticize his passion, and, and no, 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 Jesus wasn't upset with him about any of those things. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, I love the Amplified Bible, Jesus said, I came that you might have and enjoy life. I came that you might have it in abundance. I came that you might have it to the full until it overflows. No, I don't believe Jesus called the man in this parable a fool because of his passion. Well, you say then, Pastor, why did Jesus call him a fool? Well, I'm going to endeavor to answer that question right now. Let me give you four reasons why I believe. You may have a different thought, a different slant on this, and when you preach, you can preach it your way, but it's my sermon, and this is the way I see it. Oh, come on. Four reasons why I believe Jesus called him a fool. I believe he was called a fool, number one, I believe because his mission was wrong. I believe Jesus called him a fool because his mission was wrong. You see, his mission was inward focused when it should have been outward focused. Uh, No doubt his personal mission statement went something like this, get all you can can all you get, and then guard that can. No doubt his three favorite people were I, me, and my. Because you see, in three short verses, he uses the personal pronouns I and my 11 times. 11 times in three short verses. He says, he says this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do. He says, this is mine, my, my, my. Let me ask you this morning, do you have a personal mission statement? Most corporations today have a 
missions statement. Most churches today have a missions statement. But listen, I think that you and I ought to have a personal mission statement. We ought to have a mission statement for our life. And if you do have a mission statement for your life, what is your mission? Or what is your purpose in life? Let me ask you this morning, what gets you up in the morning and what keeps you going? Let me ask you this. Is your mission focused inward or outward? My personal mission as far as ministry is concerned is fourfold. This is my mission as a pastor. It is my mission to exalt the Savior. To excite the saints. To explain the scriptures. And to excel in service. That's who I am or who I want to be. That's who I'm trying to be. That's who I endeavor to be. That is, that is my mission as your pastor, as your leader, as a man of God. It is my mission to exalt the Savior, excite the saints, explain the Scriptures, and excel in service. What is your mission? What is your mission? The rich fool in our parable today was called a fool because his mission was wrong. You see, when he finally reached the last rung on the success ladder, he discovered that it was leaning against the wrong wall. And how tragic and how horrible it is. And yet so many people today, in fact the majority of people today that are, that are climbing this ladder we call success, too many times they get to the top of the ladder and oh, they, they are horrified to understand and to recognize that the ladder is leaning against the wrong I ask you this this morning, how many so-called successful, famous, top-of-the-ladder type people do we hear about nearly every single day who take their own life? They're on the top of the ladder, man. They start at the bottom and they went all the way to the top. And they're on the last rung of the ladder called success. And when they get to the top of the ladder, yet, yet they take their own life. Why? Why? I believe for some, if not most, it's a faulty mission. It's because of faulty mission. Their focus was inward when it should have been outward. Write this down this morning. An inward focus will always lead you to disappointment. An inward focus will always lead you to disappointment. But not only was the man called a fool because his mission was wrong, but I also believe that perhaps he was called a fool because, because his motive was wrong. Because his motive was wrong. He was motivated by greed. His motto, no doubt, was just a little bit more. That was his motto, just a little bit more. Let me ask us this question how much is enough? How much is enough? Let me ask this this morning. What is our motive for wanting more? How many of you want more? The rest of you would lie about anything. We will have a li- uh, uh, an altar call for liars today. How much is enough? 
And what is our motive for wanting more? Pastor, why are we going to two services? This place was packed last Sunday and it's really full again this morning. I've already told you 501 people were here last Sunday morning. That is an all-time record high for this church for a non-special event. And only two other services, which were Easter and Grand Opening, were there more people than last Sunday. And it's August! A record-breaking attendance for a regular non-special service or event. Pastor, isn't that big enough? Isn't that big enough? Because the average church in America today runs under 100. So if the average church in America runs under 100, we're over five times larger than the average church in America. Surely that's big enough. Pastor, surely we're big enough. Pastor, what is your motive to grow beyond 500? What is your motive, Pastor? Is it, is it so you can brag to your pastor friends, my church is bigger than your church, nanny, nanny, boo, boo? What is your motivation? What is your motive, Pastor, to go to two services and to grow this church from where it is now? Is it so the offering will be bigger and you can get a bigger salary? Sure got quiet all of a sudden. <laughs> Pastor, what is, what is your motivation to go to two services? What is your motivation to go beyond where we are now? The place is packed, man. All the bills are paid. Everybody's happy. Oh, we're having exciting things. And man, isn't this enough? Isn't this good enough? Isn't this big enough? Aren't we doing enough? What is your motivation, Pastor? Is your motivation, is this all about feeding your ego? Is it your ego, Pastor, that will not allow you to stop? Is it your ego, Pastor, that wants you to keep moving forward and keep the church going and, and, and going on? Let me say this morning, if the answer to any of these questions is yes, then you're looking at and listening to a fool. If I know my own heart, my motive is to reach more people right here at the Grace Place and to build a bigger financial base so we can give more to missions. If I know my motive, if I know my heart, my motive is winning souls and healing hurting people. Pastor, aren't we big enough now? Can't we stop now? Are you glad we didn't stop before you got here? Listen, listen, the rich man wasn't called a fool because he wanted more. He was called a fool because his motive was wrong. His motive was pure greed. His thoughts and his actions said, more is all for me. That's where he was a fool, was in the fact that he thought, more is all for me. Hear me this morning, when God pours more into your hands, and let me tell you, more is coming because I'm praying more come. Almost every day when I walk back and forth across this auditorium praying, I bring you up. If you're a consistent tither, I bring you up and I pray for God to give you raises and bonuses and opportunities and open doors and, 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 and positions. And I ask God to put more money in your hands. So there should be more money coming into your hands. You need to be looking. 
for more money to be coming into your hands. But listen, when more money begins to come into your hands, don't automatically assume that more is for me. Because my motive is not just so that you can have a little better life. And I'm all right with you having a little better life. But all my real motivation for you getting more is so you can do more, amen, for the kingdom of God. So we can do more to impact our world and reach more people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So when God pours more into your hands, don't automatically assume that more is all for you. Don't allow a wrong motive to make a fool out of you. Notice another reason why I believe this man was called a fool. I believe he was called a fool because his management, his management was wrong. He had no strategy for finances. You say, Pastor, where do you get that? Well, let's read, uh, reread verses 16 and 17 again. It says, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? If he had a plan in place, he would automatically know what he was going to do. That's good. That's a pearl. Hello. The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully, and he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Man, I got all of this harvest. I got all of this stuff. I've got this this bounty. I've got this abundance. What in the world am I going to do with it? Obviously, he had no financial strategy in place, and when prosperity came to him, he didn't know what in the world he was going to do with it. How about you? If you were to get a windfall tomorrow, do you know what you would do with it? Oh, yeah, man, I'd go out and I'd buy me a new car and buy me a, you know, a new house and go on a cruise. And That's not what I'm saying I'd do. That's what you'd do. That's what you're saying. Do you have a financial plan in place? Or are you being foolish with your finances? Let me give you a quick five-minute lesson in finances, all right? We got, room for, we got time for five-minute financial, financial lesson? Four things you should do with your money. Now, I've already given this to you more than once, but there's over 100 people here this morning that have never heard this for the first time. And a big majority of you, you've heard it, but you've done nothing with it. So let me just, I just got five minutes here this morning. Let me check my watch. Okay, it's 1030. All right, we're in good shape. All right. Four things you should do with your money. Number one, say number one. Number one, you should sow some. Sow some. When you get your income, you get your check, whatever comes in your bank, however it gets to you, you should, you should give the first 10% of your income to God. The Bible calls this the tithe, Malachi chapter 3, and it's not an option. Not an option. The Bible calls it a tithe, and it is mandatory. I would have you say the word, but you couldn't say it. And once you get beyond that, once you pay your tithe, then you need to sow into missions. Sow into missions. My wife and I, we take our check and off the top, not after the government gets it, all getting all, no, whatever my top salary is, we take 10% of that. Boom. That's tithe. For me, that's divided from to... Uh, Divided with my district, my section, my district, and my general council. 75%, 85% of that is, I don't know, my wife's handling that. The rest of it goes right here at the Grace Place. 
Then another 10% off of the top, not deductions, off the top, goes to missions. I'm not bragging, I'm just telling you. I'm not preaching something I don't do. Four things you ought to do with your money. Number one, sow some. Sow some. People who sow their first fruits consistently into ministry live under an open heaven, the Bible said. The Bible says, God said, I'll open the windows of heaven over your life. I'll put so much, I'll give you so much you won't even have room enough to receive it. And then he also promises divine protection. He says, I will rebuke the devourer. That that's devouring your funds, I'll rebuke the devourer. Somebody said it's called paying protection money. Well, I don't care. I'll pay protection money. It works. What should you do with your money? Number one, you should sow some. Number two, you should save some. In this order. In this order. Number one, sow some. Number two, save some. After you pay God what he says belongs to him, then pay yourself. Pay yourself. Save some. Why is it that you put in all the time at work, but when you get paid, everybody else gets the money, and you don't get any of it. Doesn't seem right, does it? Because you don't have a plan. You don't have a plan. Sow some, then save some. Out of that savings, make you, make you an emergency fund. Once you get an emergency fund in, then maybe you're saving for something. That's okay. But then after that, take some of that savings and invest it, all right? So number one, sow some. Number two, save some. And then number three, spend some. Spend some. Yeah, after, yeah. You need a house to live in. Yeah, you need a house to live in. You need a car to drive. You need food to eat. You need clothes to wear. And it's okay to have a little recreation and fun. We already read a scripture over there in Ecclesiastes. that says that, that God wants us to have fun. He wants us to enjoy our life. He wants us to enjoy the fruit of our labor. It's okay to have a little fun. It's okay to have a vacation or a getaway trip. It's okay if we've sowed some and saved some, then we spend some, okay? It's okay to spend some, but only after, say after, only after you sow some and save some. And after you sow some and after you save some and after you spend some, then, then share some. First John chapter 3 and verse 17 says, Whoever has this world's goods and he sees his brother has a need and he refuses to share with him what he has, how in the world does the love of God abide in him? The rich man in the parable was a fool because of his management. He has far more than he needs, but he does not share. No, he just builds himself a bigger warehouse, stores it all up, says this is all about me, totally ignoring all the needs that are around him. Let me, let me tell you something that is far more rewarding than just looking at all your piled up stuff. Something far more rewarding than, than just, you know, building the big barn and filling it with stuff and, 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 and opening the barn doors and just admiring all of your stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having a barn full of stuff. And there's nothing wrong with having things. But let me tell you something that is far more rewarding than just having a bunch of stuff and admiring your piled up stuff. And that is when you take some of your stuff and you share it with somebody that don't have any stuff. Let me tell you, it's very rewarding when you're able to hand the keys to a car to someone who cannot afford a car. I'm not talking about buying a new car for somebody. But hey, man, you know if it's got four wheels and they go around? 
and they don't have one, that's called a blessing. And let me tell you how rewarding it is to be able to give Give the keys maybe to, a, maybe to a, a single mom who is struggling and barely making it. About, and, and, and her old pile of boats, you know, are just rusted and won't start half the time. And oh, to be able to hand the keys of the car, amen, to somebody that needs it. How rewarding is that? Amen. How rewarding is it to discover that somebody's going to have their electricity turned off and it's August and it's 105 degrees and there's no air conditioning and, and, and they don't know what they're going to do. they got some little bitty kids in the house. How? How rewarding is it to be able to say, hey, here's, here's the money. Here, let me see the bill. And I pay the bill. And the bill is paid. And the electricity is stayed on. Amen. How rewarding is that? Amen. How rewarding is it to see some little single mom who is struggling uh, and, and to gather up a bunch of diapers, you know, uh, and a bunch of formula, a bunch of baby food or whatever, and get some groceries and knock on their door and say, hey, listen, I want to be a blessing. I want to help you. I'm going to tell you there's something more rewarding, amen, than just building a bigger barn. There's something more rewarding than just piling up a big old pile and sitting back and looking at it and saying, my, my, ain't I successful, man? My pile is bigger than your pile. I got more stuff than you've got. Oh, I'm telling you the greatest thing in the world to do is to be able to take some of your stuff and share with somebody who doesn't have any stuff. This man was a fool because his management was wrong. He saw money as flat and stacking instead of round and rolling. Jesus said, give, and it will be given to you. I believe if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. I believe if you'll be a giver, God will always make sure you have something to give. I think one of the greatest financial uh, insurance policies you can buy is giving. Because the Bible says, give and it shall be given. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. Amen? I'll tell you, church, listen, you know why we have 501 people? You know why this church didn't tank 12 and a half years ago? Because our focus is outward, not inward. It's not all about us. Amen? It's missions. 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 I can, tell, I can take you, this is just a matter of fact, I can take you to the churches that I pastored. When I got there, they were doing nothing for missions. And when we left, they were making record-breaking, some even second and third in the district in giving to missions. I'm going to tell you that as long as those missions was given, that church succeeded, that church thrived, that church was successful. But let me tell you that a couple of those churches over the years decided missions wasn't that important. They stopped giving to missions, and those churches are in the tank. Sorry. You came too late to tell me. I know. Amen? Amen. Not only as individuals, but as a church. If we'll be a giver. Be a giver. Be a giver. Pastor, you let, you know, you let that other church use our church van, man. You let them use our church van. You don't even charge them anything for it. Man, they're going, they're doing, and wearing out our van. Well, you know what? Our old vans are still rolling. It's amazing what duct tape and Ricky will do. I mean, it's. (laughs) 
I remember when I had a little struggling church and I called some church that was quote-unquote successful. You know, I didn't have any way to get my kids to camp. And I called and said, is there any way we could borrow your van? No, we got a policy. No, we got a policy. Well, I'll tell you something. i got a policy, too. And my policy is give, and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Amen? Amen? One of the ministries of the Assemblies of God needs this facility for a, for a, for a, for a big hoop to do something. I don't even know what it is. But can we use the facility, and how much is it going to be? What are you going to charge us? Well, you know, I'll have to admit, I had to scratch my head on that one. I thought, hmm, we might get a few hundred bucks here maybe. <laughs> you know what? I said, uh, no charge. No charge. Just come on. We're going to bless you. We're going to bless your ministry. We believe. We be- it's a Assemblies of God incredible ministry. It's the number one soul winning ministry in the Assemblies of God, according to Randy. I just can't figure out when they get saved first, though. Is it Sunday school, children's church, Royal Rangers? But anyway, we'll all just claim them. I claim them when they come in my service too. So, you know, I'm, hey, I'm having a little fun with this, all right? What's my policy? My policy is give and it'll be given, amen? My policy is be generous. My policy is that my God is a generous God. Why should I not be a generous person? Amen. Why was this man called a fool? Because his mission was wrong. His motive was wrong. His management was wrong. And finally, because his measurement was wrong. I believe he was a fool because his measurement was wrong. He was long on the temporal and short on the eternal. Long on the temporal and short on the eternal. Verse number 18 again. So he said, I'll do this. I'll pull down my barns. I'll build bigger. I'll build greater. There I'll store all my crops and my goods. I'll say to my soul, so, man, you got it made. Man, you've got many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said, you're a fool. Because tonight your soul is going to be required of you, and then whose will these things be which you have provided? He was long on the temporal. Man, I mean, he's got a barn full of stuff, man. I mean, he's just going to live it up, man. I mean, he's just got, he just take his ease. He can just kick back and relax, live the good life. Man, he is going to, he, he is going to retire in, in, uh, in luxury. He's long on temporal, but short on the eternal. Somebody said, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Somebody else said you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. We get the worship team back in place really quickly this morning. I'm not finished. Please keep me, keep your focus on, on me this morning, on the message. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 6, Verse 19 through 21, he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break through and steal. Rather, lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust corrupts and thieves do not break in and steal. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The takeaway from today's message is threefold. Number one, God has given us what we have. God has given us what we have. Only a fool believes that what he has, he has gained on his own. I'm going to say that again. Only a fool believes that what he has, he has gained on his own. God has given us what we have. Number two, he has given us what we have for a purpose. He has given us what we have for a purpose. James chapter 4 verse 2 and 3 says, you do not have because you do not ask. 
And then James knew that somebody was going to say, ah, I did ask and I don't have, I don't get, it ain't right, it ain't true. So he went ahead and answered the question before it was, the second one was asked. He said, you do, you, you do not have because you do not ask. And then he answered this question that wasn't asked. He said, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss or with wrong motives that you may consume it upon your lust." Let me ask you this this morning. Why would God want to give you something that he knows you're going to misuse? And why would God want to give you money that he knows you're going to mismanage? Jesus said, I'm paraphrasing it, but Jesus said, if you'll take care of $100, do right with $100, then maybe I'll be able to trust you and give you $500. And if you do good with that $500, maybe uh, I can trust you and do good. Uh, with a thousand. See, I started 43 years ago. I didn't start with 501 people on Sunday morning in a beautiful building and a great staff. I started with nine little widow ladies over 70, two little kids and my wife and I, teenage pastors. That's where I started. But I'm going to tell you, my wife, you can go to my wife and tell you, she'll tell you if I'm lying or not because she knows me better than anybody but God. I even think sometimes maybe she knows more than God does. I don't know. But I was faithful with those nine little widow ladies and those two little kids. We didn't have air conditioning in that church, and so I would raise the, raise the windows in that church when I'd go over to the church and pray and let a little air come in. And the church was a two-story church. Well, there was a basement, so the windows were real high. And so I would walk back and forth praying, and I still sometimes get a little loud in, in praying, not nearly as I uh, used to. I used to think God was deaf, and so I just really, really yell and, you know, and, and just really, I mean, I, I would pray like I preach, you know. And, and here I am walking back and forth, yelling and screaming, praying and crying and talking to God and, and, and praying. And my wife said she'd look outside that little parsonage and she'd see those old railroad guys because it was a railroad community. They'd see those old railroad guys, those old rough guys. They were walking down to the, to the train depot to, to, to go to work and they'd have to go by that little Assembly of God church. And here's the wind is up and here's this bellering bull in there and all they can see is the head of some little some kid uh, in the in the window walking by you know uh, yelling and, and bellering and and you know just uh, crazy what am I saying I believe that God is God is blessing me now I believe that God is entrusting with me with more now because I was faithful I'm not saying I was perfect certainly wasn't certainly wasn't but I'm just telling you that if you'll be faithful in the little God will give you more amen yeah. Amen. That's good. Why would God want to give you something he knows you're going to misuse? Why would he give you money he knows you're going to mismanage? Three things that take over, take, take away. God has given us what we have. He has given us what we have for a purpose. And finally, we will give account of what we did with what he gave us. We will give an account as to what we did with what he gave us. Did we use it wisely? And were we generous with it? Did we use it wisely? And were we generous with it? Would you stand with me this morning, please? Father, I thank you, Father, for your incredible word today. Father, not my little 
sermon that I put together, Father, but Lord, the true Word of God that has been shared today. Thank you for the principles of the Word of God. God, I just pray today, Father, Lord, that something that was said today, or maybe it wasn't what was said, but Lord, the, Lord, the Holy Spirit used what was said to say something else in the heart and the life of somebody here today. God, I pray, Lord, that, Lord, that they will take the Word today, and Father, they will, Lord, they will begin to put it into practice, Father, in their heart and in their life today, Father. God, help us, Father, to be faithful, Father, with your Word. Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Like everyone just to come to the front this morning, please. I'd just like to close out this morning in the presence of the Lord. Everybody coming forward, please, this morning. If the Lord has spoken to you individually, I I give you a couple of moments here to just one-on-one, you and you and God this morning, and Lord the and the rest of you this morning, just take the word that has been shared today and, and see me at that in your heart and 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 meditate on that today and let the Holy Spirit Uh, Let the Holy Spirit make it come alive. Let it come alive in your heart and in your spirit. I want you to leave here today changed, changed. You know, when we get saved, we get drastically changed. When we get baptized in the Holy Spirit, we get drastically changed. Then after that, it's, it's from glory to glory. It's a little here, a little there, a little somewhere else. Every time we come into the presence of God, every time we hear the word of the Lord taught, or ministered, or preached, we should uh, be going from glory to glory. God should take us just a little bit further and use something to help us to grow just a little bit. So I hope this morning that you have grown just a little bit in the Lord this morning. One-on-one time with you in the Lord.